Hi, I'm Sean Healy, and you're listening to Tools. Hi everyone, Sean Healy, NLP trainer and change agent here, and you're listening to episode 93 of Sean Healy Tools, a podcast designed to support entrepreneurial couples, people in business partnership, and anyone looking for more tips, tools, strategy, and education to add to the quality of your life. So welcome to today's episode. Episode 93 is entitled The Seduction of the Abuser. Um, as those of you who followed along with the show for a while, you know that I tend to um, jump on to a, a kind of a theme or an area for a while, and at the moment we're looking at um, abusers, um, uh, predominantly in terms of uh, abuse dynamics in intimate relationships, and this episode is about some of uh, the dynamics of abuse and the way in which it's able to um, maintain itself, the way the strategies and skill sets, the, you know, um, the ideas of bullying, controlling, um, and coercing people. These are, you know, these are not acts of ignorance. These are these are highly calculated strategies, um, and they take a lot, especially. You know, someone who's able to get away with abuse for a long period of time, abusive treatment of their partner, abusive treatment of their children, or even abusive treatment in the workplace, this is highly skilled. It it takes a lot of um, takes a lot of thought. Um, it takes a lot of calculation. And one of my main interests is in the more that we're educated on the way that these dynamics work, the warning signs to look for the harder it is for these people to get away with things um, and the more quickly we can call them to account um, and uh, and hold them uh, primarily accountable. Because one of the things about an abuser is I will do everything I can to uh, misdirect and, and, and take your attention away from my, um, my su- superior entitled um, sets of behaviours um, because of course I don't want to be held to account. What I'm doing works for me, and unfortunately, generally works very well. That's why I'm able to keep it going. And and even though I could change, most of the time I've got no interest in changing. Um, and I'm you know stacking the deck in my favour to to keep um, the abuse dynamics going for as long as I possibly can. Um, remember, this is not someone who wants to be called to account. This is not someone who wants to be found out. Um, but of course, if I'm a skilled abuser, then part of that in, in terms of what we talk about with the seduction element is I'm going to make you think that if you just try harder, if you just love me more, if you're just more understanding of my pain, then I will. I will change. So I want to give you the illusion that I'm going to change on the proviso that you do more. Um, me, I don't have to do anything. It's it's all up to you. And if I don't change, well, that's your fault. Um, but keep trying because I'm sure you will rescue me at some point. Um, that That's what I rely on. So I'm seducing you with the idea that if you just did that bit extra, um, I'm going to change and I'm going to be that amazing person that maybe I, I was in the beginning. Remember that, you know, if I'm a skilled 
uh, abuser, part of that is I'm very skilled at keeping you in hope. I'm very skilled at keeping you um, hooked in, and I'm going to use a varying amount of strategies to do that. But I can't use all negative, critical strategies, and certainly not at the beginning. Um, you know, I sometimes think of the, the analogy of uh, abusers like sort of poker machines in the sense that, you know, if you're sitting at a poker machine and you keep putting money in and pressing the buttons and, and time after time you just lose, well, at a, you know, it's not going to be long before you get up and walk away. Um, but of course, if we have these mini payouts once in a while, then that hooks us back in. It gives us the, that kind of idea that, oh, I just need to be here long enough and it will all change. Primarily, I think a very good indicator if you look back at the history of your relationship is um, pretty much what you've always got is more or less what you're going to still get um, because, you know, people can plead and beg. And again, this is the aspect of the seduction that I'll, that I'll go through periods where I'll act as if I'm genuinely, um, uh, you know, I'm generally apologetic for my behavior. Um, that, that can be part of the abuse cycle where I will go, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I hate myself. I've never felt so bad. I'm disgusted in what I did. Um, and, and those are words. Um, there might be um, a small patch of genuineness behind it. But if it's not backed up with action, if people aren't getting into therapy, if aren't, people aren't, you know, getting a, a support group, um, if, if there's no action, you know, I, I can plead guilt, I can plead that I'm ashamed, I can do all that, but, but genuine contrition and genuine change requires some form of action. Um, uh, especially when these are deep-seated patterns and we're probably in place and the ideas that we have about, you know, toxic entitlement in, in intimate relationship, you know, were formed even before we as a partner arrived. Um, so we're talking about deeply ingrained, deep-seated strategies that may not really kick in until at an unconscious kind of level where we're now secure and stable in the relationship. You're mine, I'm yours. Um, even that's very possessive in, in terms of language. But if, if, um, but of course, I'm going to make sure that there's periods where I'm extremely kind. I'm, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm saying the things that you want. I'm, I'm, you know, giving into your ideas. But if you look at what's behind the kindness, if you look at what's behind the, you know, you know, uh, someone who's immensely controlling is from time to time going to uh, let you have your way. Um, but if you watch what they let let you have their way on, it will be the things that don't matter at all to them, the things that are of no consequence to them. You know, I remember uh, being in a, in a relationship with an extremely uh, controlling individual and everything that was of any significance in the relationship, you know, the strategies this person had for twisting everything around so that it was almost in, in the things that was, uh, you know, technically significant in the relationship, I had absolutely no say in those things at all. But in the things that didn't matter or were considered trivial in my partner's minds, well, you know, uh, go for it, Sean. You do whatever you want there. Yeah, you know, but it was always made to look as if it was, you know, magnanimous and, and gracious. And here I am including you in the relationship. But actually, uh, anything of any significance, you know, the, I was never included. But it was, it was, it was really skillfully done. You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of. You know, there's a degree of kind of awe for the level of skill that it sometimes takes to be so consistently controlling and coercive 
and know, you know, when your partner's almost had a gutful of crappy behavior, so I better sprinkle in some good stuff. But then, of course, what that does, if we're on the, the kind of receiving side of that is, um, you know, if we've been if we've been denied good treatment, if we've been denied acknowledgement, praise, nurture, love, and then all of a sudden our partner swings around and gives us a little bit, you know, we're, we're like a plant dying of thirst and we'll just soak it up and then we'll fall back into the, the fantasy that, oh, finally I think they've seen the error of their ways um, and they're going to change. What, what we have to understand is, you know, from an abuser's mindset, well, what what, what error are we talking about? Um, I'm getting everything I want out of this dynamic. Um, once in a while, there's a little bit of pushback from you. Um, but if I, you know, if I bully, belittle or threaten you enough, well, you know, you'll, you'll shut up and, and back off and leave me alone and become more compliant. And then I get exactly what I want. I get a relationship entirely on my own terms, um, um, geared to meet my needs. So, Where's the problem here from the abuser's perspective? Um, you know, this is this is tough stuff to think about, but we have to, we cannot, we, we cannot create healthy dynamics if we can't see the full picture of what's going on. I think that's one of the reasons why talking about these things and the education of it, it becomes so important. Um, but again, you, you, you know, uh, this is what, this is aspects of good times, so to speak, or when things settle down, are part of the abuse cycle. They're, you know, they're not moments of hopefulness and change. Mostly, they're parts of the cycle itself. Um, and uh, that abuser aspect is coming back at some point, um, you know, nine times out of ten, unless the person is actively seeking some kind of um, external support um, and being called to account. That's the other problem often is abusers get away with what they get away with because they're so good at creating a, an external impression of being a, a saint um, and, a, and a, you know, a wondrous kind of person. And then there's people saying to you, wow, aren't you so lucky to have them? Um, and, and our families and our friends find it very difficult, um, you know, because they see the good side of us and, and that they really struggle with the idea that, you know, I'm friends with somebody who could treat their partner that poorly. No, no, surely not. There must be some confusion here or mistake. Very, very difficult you know, because and that way the abuser doesn't get called to account often um, by um, their family and friends, by by their partner and by society at large. So, you know, I can just keep doing what I'm doing. And, and that's why I think this sort of stuff is so important that we really get educated. Um, it's very difficult. Um, if you know what you're looking at, which of course is what the abuser doesn't want you to do, they, they want you to be mystified, confused and always looking in, you know, the... the I want your attention off the central issue, which is my abusive behavior and onto anything else I can think of that keeps you away from calling me to account. You know, that's how the game keeps going. Um, I will tell you I want to um, collaborate with you. I will tell you I want to change. I would, whatever you need to, you know, me to, to, to say that will keep you hooked in. Um, but I'm sorry, if it's not followed up by active action, then it's probably just part of the cycle of hook in and it's just words and, we're likely to get more of the same. This is not a. This is highly complicated area and not not easy. But I think if we can stand in our strength to hear hear a bit more about you know the truth of these things rather than hide in the fantasy of it, then we then we can take realistic action and and we can keep ourselves safe and not let ourselves be day by day torn apart by consistent criticism and belittling and demeaning of our, our ourselves 
which in the end works very well for the abuser because we, we become more and more easy to control. We become more and more confused and doubtful um, and, and you know, struggle to see the reality. So it's, it's important that, that we, we understand. One of the things I think that's really not understood very, very well is the idea of feelings ambivalence, that it's very, very possible to have mixed feelings in a situation, and that is not necessarily doubt and confusion. Actually, that's quite congruent. Um, you know, I, I, I feel love for the person who's abusing me. I, I really love them. I find them sexy. I find certain things they do fantastic. And at the same time, I'm absolutely terrified of them. Um, and that is not confusion. That is actually clarity. There's different aspects of a human being. You know, think of ourselves like a, a, a subsystem. Um, and it's perfectly possible to, to have, uh, you know, this rich nuance of feelings about people, this idea that we should feel one way only um, uh, about a certain situation and that's the right way to feel, I think that's remarkably immature. Um, uh, you know, being an adult means that we have nuance. We have a range of kind of um, uh, more complex thinking and more complex feeling about situations and that we understand that that's probably more mature and more realistic than I either blindly adore everything my partner does and ignore the little infractions or all I, all I can see. I mean, if you do tip to a point where all you can see is the venomous, vicious side of them, then that's probably going to get you out pretty quick. But, but if I'm a, you know, if I'm skilled as an abuser, then I'm going to be making sure that I don't tip over that. If I want you to stick around, um, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, peppering things with, with lovingness, with kindness, with, you know, seduction, with these things so that you don't leave. Um, how much of that is conscious or not, I don't know. But it is very, very possible um, to, to have multiple feelings about an individual and, and there's nothing wrong with that. That is, that's actually the clarity of the situation. And when we can see that and, and we, we, we can see that, you know, because people say, well, make up your mind. Um, well, I have made up my mind. It, my mind is mixed on this. Um, but I, again, I would generally suggest that given the history of some of these things, if there's a, an aspect of your partner that's extremely frightening, extremely abusive, extremely denigrating, over time, your fear of that part, your obsessive thinking about when is that aspect going to appear, how do I change my behavior so that doesn't appear, you know, these are all elements of the control where your thinking is being more and more hijacked. Um, and inevitably, that's the part you're going to spend most of your time thinking about, not the, you know, 5% of um, crumbs and kindness that only come when the person sees it to their advantage to give it to you anyway. You know, this, but they'll tell you it's a big, uh, you know, oh, wow, I, you know, I'm really going out of my way to do some, something wonderful for you here. And I'm not going to let you forget it, of course, because, you know, my, my magnanimous show of, um, of generosity and kindness and love um, and, and you need to acknowledge that fully. Um, and then I'm going to bring that up, you know, repeatedly as well as, you know, all, the list of all your mistakes and flaws that I've held on to. Um, in the end, um, that abuse aspect of the person is likely to more and more hijack your experience of the relationship. And it's easy enough for me to say, you know, because I'm not the one who has to live the consequences of your choices. Um, so there are no you know, do I leave? Do I stay? It's not always that clear. Um, and there are a lot of things to consider if we're with someone generally abusive. 
um, you know, the most dangerous time is around when we look to confront that person on their behaviours, when we look to um, exit the relationship or after we leave the relationship. The, these are these are high warning times, you know, and you really need to understand and get support around, you know, if you get to the point of saying, no, this is not going to work for me. Um, I do love these aspects of the person, but I cannot live with the vicious aspect of them. Um, um, you, you need to make sure you've got really good support and a very, very strong and clear strategy in place um, for yourself and your children if you're going to decide to leave. Um, because if the person has a sense of superiority and possessiveness regarding you, then trust me, they're not likely to let you go easy. Um, or they're likely to become very uh, vengeful because, you know, well, you've hurt me by leaving. Well, let me show you what true hurt is, my friend, you know, because um, they'll, 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 you know, they'll, they'll be uh, possessed with a sense of uh, retribution. Um, and then however they decide they're going to do that. So, you know, that's, that's real ugly stuff. And, but I think it needs to be spoken about too, that if, if we, you know, if we are exiting, that we need to really have some good support around us. We have to we have to be able to speak to people who have a who know what we're going through. You know, silence is no no defence and uh, against anything. It just plays into the hands of of people who are consistently abusive. But I really want to come back to the idea before we finish off of the idea that you know it's perfectly legitimate to have mixed feelings about somebody. That is, there's nothing wrong with you. If you kind of go, well, there's part of me that still finds them really attractive, and yet there's part of me that's absolutely terrified about them. You know, that that's 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 perfectly okay to do. This is what we call ambivalence in in the feelings arena. Um, I think someone who uh, speaks to that kind of thing very very well is the author. I think it's Pete Walker, complex PTSD from surviving to thriving. Um, and if you have been in an abusive dynamic for a long time, you've probably got aspects of trauma and this makes it even harder to, to think clearly. And remember, if I'm an abuser, I want to keep you in doubt. I want to keep you in mystification. I want to keep you on the back foot because you're easier to control. And part of the way I do that is by making sure that I sprinkle in good phases of the relationship so that you get hopeful again, you buy back into the relationship just when you might have had a gutful of all the all the uh, substandard treatment that you've been getting, and then all of a sudden, I hook you back in with a bit of hope, with a bit of with a period of a few months of you know uh, good relating, and you kind of go, ah, oh, we're back to how it was at the start. How wonderful! Um, okay, well, maybe it's all turning around. Thank goodness. Like I said, um, you know, unless they're actively seeking help very, very seriously and very, very willingly, um, then that's not likely to happen. And the only other way is if they, you know, get faced with a series of adverse consequences, you know, everyone's starting to call them out on their on their um, their poor relational behaviour um, or they're facing a restraining order or jail time or something like this. It's customarily the case that, you know, if I'm doing something that works for me for the most part and I'm getting away with it, unless it starts to not work on a series of fronts, um then I'm going to be very, very reluctant to pull my behavior in. Um, and then it might not be genuine change. It might be just um, me behaving this way, too many adverse consequences. I still hold the beliefs of superiority and entitlement in my mind, but I know that if I express them too vigorously in, in the behaviors of my relationship, well, I'm going to end up in front of a judge or my family and friends are going to start uh, 
really getting on my case. So that's the only reason I might settle down. So change is not easy in this area. Most of the experts who work with, a, with abusive dynamics talk about how difficult it is for these people to give up um, the things that, have, that, for the most part, work for them. Um, you know, again, I would definitely um, recommend exploring the work of people like Lundy Bancroft and George, psycho you know, uh, uh, psychologist George Simon. I think these people, uh, Dr. David Snarch is another excellent one. Um, you know, there's a lot of good resource out there for helping us to really get a clear picture of what we're dealing with. Because remember, the person who's abusive does not want you to have a clear picture. That's, that's the primary thing. But they want you to think you can get one. You know, uh, that's part of the seductive entitlement, enticement. So here's episode 93. I hope it's helpful. Look, I, I you know, it's, it's, it's a heavy topic. It can be very, very painful to have some of these realizations. But I think once we get through the pain of, 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 of the clarity of what is, then we can really start implementing strategies for moving forward in more effective ways and, and taking greater control of our lives and making choices that are in our best interests and ideally if there's kids involved, you know, what do, what do we do to make the best interests, uh, you know, what's in their best interest too. But, but right at the core of that is um, self, is, is making sure we're making the best choices for self going forward. Um, so thank you. Thank you for listening to the episode. Um, uh, as always, for those who've been listening along right throughout, so grateful for your support um, and your time with the program. Really appreciate it. If you've just joined us, thank you, welcome. I hope you found the episode helpful. Um, if you want to continue to support the show, please go to iTunes, download, subscribe, and leave a five-star review as it makes it easier for others to find us. And I'm really passionate about life education. Um, and we're also available on Stitcher and Podbean. And also, by all means, come and visit the website, emergencetraining.com.au. We've got the episodes there on the website as well as other resources and some information about my public um, in-house and one-to-one um, uh, -one work. Um, um, so certainly welcome to come, uh, come and check that out. And um, if you've got any ideas for episodes, this is part of a, a series that was requested by a number of people. Um, so, um, yeah, anything you want to kind of know about, um, if I know a little on it, I'll be happy to put an episode together that hopefully helps you. So, um, thank you very much. Um, what if, you know, whatever your life situation is, you, you know, my profoundest and, and best wishes, um, that your life continues to grow and flourish. Once again, thank you for listening to the episode and until next time, bye for now.